Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. In this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about COVID-19 and the lab monkey situation. I am going to discuss Hawthorne in a future episode, so if you normally listen to my herbalism episodes and that's what you're looking for, don't worry, I will be uploading an episode on Hawthorne very soon. I mentioned that there is a plethora of evidence, information out there about the origin of the coronavirus, you know, the latest coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus that causes COVID-19, just to be clear. And I've talked a little bit about gain-of-function research. That's the type of research that scientists are doing to make pathogens worse. And pathogens are things like viruses and bacteria. So they're doing a lot of work on viruses, specifically coronaviruses, and influenza and Ebola, really dangerous things that cause outbreaks. So when you hear words like zoonotic, that means they're talking about things that normally you find in animals and usually it's very difficult for those viruses to infect people, but when they do, it's called a spillover event because the virus has spilled over from the animal population to the human population. And when that happens, you need another important thing to happen actually. Sometimes Sometimes people do get infected from animals, but they don't infect other people. So you need a spillover event to happen and for that virus to have the ability to jump from one human to another. So jumping from an animal to a human is one difficult thing for the virus. And I say difficult, but really it's just a matter of like mutations, you know, random changes that happen. So a mutation happens and now a virus that's normally only found in animals is infecting humans, but it also needs to have the ability to jump from one human to another, and these are the things that scientists are working on in the labs, and they're trying to find ways to make these viruses do exactly that, which normally in nature would be kind of rare. No, not kind of rare, extremely rare. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background before I jump into the article, but this is just one piece of evidence that the coronavirus was created in a lab. This is from ACS Publications. ACS is the American Chemical Society. This was published in May of 2021, so it's not that old, but it's long enough after the initial outbreak of the pandemic that scientists have had enough time to study the virus and to come up with some real conclusions as to the origin of the virus. This article is called Molecular Biology Clues Portray SARS-CoV-2 as a Gain-of-Function Laboratory Manipulation of Bat RATG13. Okay, I know the end of that was a little bit confusing, but basically they're saying there is evidence to show that the virus that causes COVID-19, which is called SARS-CoV-2, there's evidence to show that SARS-CoV-2 is a manipulation of a bat coronavirus, and the name of that bat coronavirus is RATG13. Before I jump in, I'm not going to read the entire article, I'm just going to read parts of it, but I want to explain that they're trying to say that this virus 
started in bats. This bat coronavirus did not have the ability to infect human cells. They manipulated the bat coronavirus. They added a piece of genetic code from a pangolin virus. So they're saying that in order for this to have happened in nature, you would have needed these two viruses, the pangolin virus and the bat virus, to infect a host, say a pangolin, at the same time. It would have to infect one pangolin at the same time. And if these two viruses were able to infect the same cell at the same time, then they might, by chance, recombine their genetic codes, the two viruses, and come up with this SARS-CoV-2. But that is so incredibly rare because pangolins and bats don't interact often in nature. I think it would be extremely rare for pangolins and bats to interact for them to then infect a pangolin with a bat virus and a pangolin virus at the same time in order to give these two viruses the opportunity to recombine and create the SARS-CoV-2, which is then able to infect a human because then you would need humans to be around that pangolin. You see, it's just crazy. It would be so incredibly rare in nature. The other thing that I want to explain before I read the parts of the article that support what I'm saying, I'm going to use the term chimera. And a chimera in biology is an organism that contains a mixture of genetically different tissues formed by processes such as fusion of early embryos, grafting, or mutation. A chimera is also a DNA molecule with sequences that are derived from two or more different organisms formed by laboratory manipulation. So I was just talking about the SARS-CoV-2 virus and how it came from a bat virus that picked up some pangolin virus genetic code, right? So that would be considered a chimera because it's it has two different types of genetic information. So now for the parts of the article that speak to that. The origin of SARS-CoV-2, the causative agent of the COVID-19 pandemic, is highly controversial. So they're basically saying the origin of the virus is very controversial because nobody wants to take responsibility for creating the virus that caused a pandemic. Genomic analyses show that SARS-CoV-2 is a chimera, with most of its sequence identical to that of the bat coronavirus, RATG13, except for the receptor binding domain, which they refer to as RBD. That RBD is almost identical to that of a pangolin coronavirus, and it has been optimized to bind the ACE2 receptor in human cells. Such gain-of-function chimeras can, in principle, arise via natural recombination, but that would be unlikely in this case. The natural recombination combination would require that the viruses from bat and pangolin infected the same cell in the same organism simultaneously, a rather improbable event considering the low population density of pangolins. Gain-of-function recombinations of coronaviruses have been ongoing in the laboratory for more than a decade. As early as 2007, the group headed by Zheng Li Shi from the Wuhan Institute of Virology created a series of bat-man coronavirus chimeric spike proteins to enable coronaviruses to jump from one species to another and model spillover events that could trigger a pandemic. With regard to the recent history of these gain-of-function manipulations of coronaviruses, a U.S. 
National Institutes of Health funded $3.7 million grant was approved by Anthony Fauci in 2015. The gain-of-function research was outsourced to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which remains at the center of scrutiny with regard to the COVID-19 pandemic. Clues from molecular biology uphold the artificial origin of SARS-CoV-2, reinforcing the recent investigation by journalist Nicholas Wade. The gain-of-function insertions of human-adapted pangolin coronavirus RBD and furin-associated cleavage site are likely the result of genetic manipulations conducted in a laboratory. Such manipulations may have been carried out without leaving a trace. Okay, so the article makes reference to a journalist named Nicholas Wade. Nicholas Wade wrote an article called The Origin of COVID, Did People or Nature Open Pandora's Box at Wuhan? And that was from the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, May 5th. 2021. They have a website. I will try to include the links to both articles in the notes if you're interested in checking them out for yourself. Like I said, this is just one piece of evidence to support the fact that SARS-CoV-2 was created in a lab. I also mentioned that I wanted to talk more about the lab monkey situation, and I only gave that little snippet in a previous episode about the woman who came into contact with the lab monkeys after the accident in Pennsylvania, and I want to give a little bit more background and information on that. This article is from January 25th, 2022, and it's from the phillyvoice.com, written by Michael Tannenbaum. Woman falls ill after exposure to monkeys at Pennsylvania crash site. After stopping to assist, she was exposed to the animal's feces while helping to clear crates from the roadway. They show a photo of one of the monkeys up in a tree, and it's just so sad. It looks afraid, in my opinion. Multiple long-tailed macaque monkeys escaped from a truck that crashed on Friday in Danville, Pennsylvania. The animal pictured above was among the three that were euthanized. One woman who offered help at the scene became ill after her exposure to the monkeys, which were imported to the U.S. for scientific research. A woman who offered assistance at the scene of a truck crash involving captive lab monkeys in rural Pennsylvania says she has fallen ill after being exposed to the animal's feces and saliva. The wild incident unfolded Friday afternoon in Danville, where a truck carrying 100 monkeys collided with a dump truck spilling the animals onto Route 54 near I-80 in Montour County. Four monkeys escaped from their crates. One was corralled at the scene. The three others became the subjects of a lengthy search by Pennsylvania State Police and the Pennsylvania Game Commission, which located and euthanized the animals Saturday. Danville resident Michelle Fallon was driving directly behind the truck that crashed and observed the monkey crates tumble from the trailer. In a Facebook post, Fallon said she initially was told there were cats inside the crates and offered to help with the cleanup, only to discover she was surrounded by monkeys. I thought I was just doing the right thing by helping, Fallon said in an interview Monday with WBRE. I had no idea it would turn out this way. After touching and handling the monkey crates, Fallon said she later developed a cough, runny nose, and a pink eye-like reaction in one of her eyes. She explained that she'd had a prior open cut on her hand and became worried about her health. One of the long-tailed macaques hissed at her from inside a crate that fell onto the roadway, she said. I was close to the monkeys. I touched the crates. I walked through their feces. 
I was very close, Fallon said. I was inside the trailer where the monkey's crates were, so I called to inquire, you know, was I safe? When Fallon initially got out of her car to help, she said she was not warned by the truck driver that she shouldn't approach the crates or interact with the animals. If he would have told me that, then I would have been more careful, Fallon said. She was later interviewed at the scene by state police and workers from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They urged her to take precautions since the monkeys had not been quarantined and monitored. Fallon went to Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, where she received her first dose of a rabies vaccine and was prescribed antiviral medication for two weeks. The shipment of Cinemalgus monkeys, commonly known as crab-eating or long-tailed macaques, arrived in the United States via John F. Kennedy International Airport from the island nation of Mauritius in the Indian Ocean. They were destined for an unnamed CDC-approved quarantine facility. The monkeys are considered highly valuable for experimental research, each worth as much as $10,000. Demand for them has increased during the coronavirus pandemic to aid in vaccine development, prompting some scientists to argue that the U.S. should keep a strategic reserve similar to the U.S. government's grain and oil stockpiles. Okay, pause for a moment from reading reading the article because I need to jump in here and say people are suggesting that we keep a reserve of lab monkeys. I am so opposed to this. I am so against this and I am going to share a lot more about these monkeys and why I am so against this and why I am heartbroken to hear that this is such a common practice in our medical research. And not just medical research but in gain-of-function research which I think is mad science. It's craziness and they're using these animals. It would be bad enough if these animals were bred in laboratory conditions, but they're literally stealing animals that live in in the wild that have connections to their family members. Like these animals live in communities of other macaques that, you know, it's just madness. Anyway, I'm going to get back to the article because it's informative. It lets us know what's actually going on. So here we go. During the search for the three escaped monkeys, state police had warned the public not to assist in looking for the animals or come into contact with them. The CDC provided technical assistance to the state police in managing the response to the incident. Fallon received a letter from the CDC obtained by the Daily Mail urging her to seek immediate medical attention if she had any contact with a loose monkey. Non-human primates and humans are naturally susceptible to many of the same diseases, the CDC explained in its letter. One of the diseases spread by long-tailed macaques is the herpes B virus, which can be transmitted through saliva, feces, or urine. Infections, though extremely rare, can lead to the development of blisters and potentially life-threatening complications if left untreated, according to the CDC. Because the monkey did hiss at me and because there was monkey feces around and I do have an open cut, they just wanted to be precautious, Fallon said, of the treatment she's received. Others who may have been exposed or in close contact with the monkeys also are advised to seek medical attention. The CDC wrote in its letter that the surviving monkey monkeys will be quarantined and monitored for infectious diseases for at least 31 days before their release. Animal rights group PETA has been sharply critical of how the incident was handled, including the exposure risk to humans and the decision to euthanize the escaped monkeys without providing an explanation. The organization filed a complaint with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which confirmed it has opened an investigation into the incident. Feces and urine from the terrified monkeys were reportedly smeared across the 
highway as crates that weren't strapped in as required flew from the truck and the centers for disease control and prevention should be scrambling to ensure that numerous people who are at the scene aren't in danger peter wrote the monkeys some likely injured and all surely terrified remained on the highway in sub-freezing temperatures for hours without any protection or veterinary care as onlookers peered into their crates the organization condemned what it called minimal oversight in the importation of monkeys for experimental research and demanded an end to their use for experiments okay so again this was written by michael tannenbaum from the philly voice and i will try to include a link i have to say i agree with PETA on this one the way the monkeys were treated is horrible why were the escaped monkeys euthanized without an explanation that's just super sketchy but the whole situation of importing these monkeys from Mauritius I think is what off the coast of Africa or something like that most of us know where Madagascar is because it's like off the coast of Africa and Mauritius is like off the coast of Madagascar it's this little island out in the middle of the Indian Ocean, kind of like the article said, the closest thing to it that most people would know, I would say, is Madagascar. There are a lot more articles that I want to share, but in this episode, I'm going to try to keep it brief and just share one more. This is from Nature, volume 595, published July 29th, 2021. The U.S. government is investing heavily to breed more monkeys at the national facilities that house primates for biomedical research, Nature has learned. So this article is called United States Invests in Research Monkeys in the Wake of COVID. Funding increase will help but won't fix primate shortage that grew worse during the pandemic, experts say. Rhesus macaques are the monkeys most often used in U.S. biomedical research. The U.S. National Institute Institutes of Health has invested about $29 million over the past two years in refurbishing, housing, building outdoor enclosures, and making other infrastructure improvements at the U.S. National Primate Research Centers, which it funds. We have been making investments to bring the levels up and make a plan for the future, says James Anderson, director of the NIH Division of Program Coordination, Planning, and Strategic Initiatives in Bethesda, Maryland. What happens if a pandemic happens again with another virus in three years? We want to be ready for that. U.S. scientists use non-human primates, most commonly rhesus macaques, macaca mulata, to study a range of medical conditions, including infectious diseases. In 2019, U.S. scientists used 68,257 non-human primates in research, according to the U.S. government. The Oregon National Primate Research Center in Beaverton houses about 5,000 non-human primates. It takes time to establish monkey colonies and yields from investments made now could be years away. Non-human primates are expensive to house and feed. Transporting animals has arisen as a particular challenge. Many airlines have stopped carrying primates for research. The National Association for Biomedical Research filed a complaint with the U.S. Department 
Department of Transportation in 2018, asking it to order airlines to carry the animals. China has become an important supplier of Cinemalgus macaques, Macaca fasciculares, but China stopped shipping the animals once the pandemic began. Scientists say that rhesus monkeys tend to thrive in captive research environments. I just think that this whole thing is really tragic. It's just incredibly sad to know that these monkeys are being captured from their wild environments and part of the reason that they're being captured is because it would be more expensive to raise them in captivity because it costs so much to feed and house them and they need to get to a certain age before they can start using them for experiments so they kind of allow the animals to breed in the wild and then they just like hunt them down and steal them from their social groups and put them in cages and then start doing horrendous research on them. A lot of this stuff is like really hard to read about, like the experiments that they do on some of these animals. And to know that these are animals that knew what freedom was. The kind of person that I am, it's hard for me not to put myself in the position of the animal that is being kidnapped and experimented on. I think it's a horrible practice and I don't want scientists doing it in saying that they're doing it for the good of society or for the advancement of medical research. There has to be a better way. We can't have our survival rely on exploiting and abusing and torturing animals. I just think that's horrible. We need to make sure that what we're doing is humane. It is not humane to kidnap animals and put them in these horrible cages and like one of the articles said they had them out in freezing temperatures in these cages like for hours i don't have all the answers but i know when something is wrong and what they're doing is wrong i think it's important for us to know what's going on because it is more likely that we will come up with a solution a way to fix this if more people know about it if it's happening on the low and it's you know staying hush hush we just assume that people have the decency that we have and that these things aren't going on and if we don't know about it then it just continues thank you so much for listening thank you for caring if you do and if you think of some way that you can help this situation please get the word out there and let us know you can send me a message through the anchor app i'm happy to sign a petition make a phone call if i need to i just have no idea what to do at this point so thank you for listening Let's see if we can find a way to fix this. I do have a lot more information that I want to share. Some of it is disturbing, and I apologize if it is disturbing for you. But again, I appreciate your support. I hope all is well with all of my listeners. And look out for my Hawthorne episode. Thanks for listening.